This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian. I'm joined by Dave the Above the Third. Hello, nurse. And we have a surprise guest this morning because this episode was originally just going to be me and David. Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks to some interdimensional, international um, coordination by Erica, who is not here this morning, um, we are joined by the Sly Guy from Geeks Hideout. Hey, good evening, Brian. Or good um, morning, Brian. <laughs> good morning, David. Sorry. <laughs> now, Sly, I would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. We don't, we don't even know you. So, um, yeah. So our guests are going to be learning just like when, or I mean, our listeners, our guests, our listeners are going to be learning at the same time as us. So, yeah. Spend some time talking about yourself. Okay. Yes. As you can see, I'm a really huge Back to the Future fan. The reason I wear this visor is because um, I'm trying to imitate Doc Brown from Back to the Future 2. And in 2015, I expected we would have flying cars, but no flying cars just yet. So uh, I'm just um, right here, but uh, we may have them in the near future. Um, I uh, am an old school Dungeons and Dragons um, RPG gamer. So uh, I was around the time when uh, they had tackle the hit armor class zero, that old rule. Um, played during fifth edition, and I am also an old school. Magic the Gathering player who used to play since Ice Age. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Okay, our podcast, The Geeks Hideout um, Online Radio. Um, we guest cosplayers, we guest gamers, we guest um, role players, uh, Magic the Gathering players, and yeah, even professional wrestlers attend wow. our show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, cool. We also love playing uh, games because, uh, believe it or not, we have professional wrestling in the Philippines, so mm-hmm. we got them as guests um, during um, our earlier episodes um just uh, earlier uh this morning your time uh, we or we uh interviewed a jedi master wow who sold lightsabers and he had this and he has this dark saber that everybody in the show just wanted oh yeah so when he flashed the dark saber we were like oh, i want that i want that <laughs> and it became a mini version of ebay it became an auction instead of a show because <laughs> everybody just wanted that dark saber nice so, yeah, but I want the Qui-Gon one, uh, perhaps once uh, mm. our uh, pay comes out. I'm going to be contacting our guest again to 
get myself a lightsaber oh, that's cool. this Christmas. <laughs> Very nice. I, I, I was thinking, I was racking my brain, I think you might be our first international guest. I believe so. Yeah. I, mm, we've been right, at this right. for a hundred. This is episode 197, and we've never had anybody oh. that's nighttime for, for you while it's, day, <laughs> while it's morning for us. Yep. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So um, today mm. we are going to be talking about um, how to prep to when you're GMing for a tabletop RPG. <clears throat> um, this is going to be system neutral. We're going to be, um, it, I mean, this could be Pathfinder. It could be Fate. It could be GURPS. It could be um, Dungeons & Dragons. Any system, like, how do you prep? Um, what what goes into that? But first... But first, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where we talk about the nerdy things we've done over the past few weeks, and then we vote on them using Mike Myler's patented widget system. And I Ooh. I didn't tell you about this earlier, Carlo, be, but because you are our guest, you get to go first. Yes, we oh, do have a rule okay. here. <laughs> right, right. So uh, the nerdiest thing I did uh, last week, well, perhaps uh, one of the uh, nerdiest things that um, I did was... Um, um, during it was actually during work before a meeting with Erica okay um, because uh, nobody was at the meeting and I was there early so what I did was I pretended that I was uh, at a cock I was in the cockpit of the next wing and I was piloting it and I was like okay everyone ah, nobody's here so you know what let's let's have some fun star command star command okay we have we have later on our six leader oh we lost rogue one we lost road six oh no I'm the only one left and all of a sudden, one of the other guys from the, from the Philippines, luckily, it wasn't anyone from the U.S., shows up and he goes, what, what are you doing? What are you saying? <laughs> oh, no, no, you didn't miss anything. Sorry, I was just testing the audio. I was, uh, I thought you I thought you heard, I thought I heard spaceships and whatever. No, 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 it was nothing. Probably the nerdiest thing I've done. Oh, that's oh, good. That's fit. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> What about you, David? Oh, I'm trying to. I don't think. know if you can. Uh, I don't know if you can even get close to that. That's pretty great. No, that's that's pretty great. Uh, the nerdiest thing I've done is I'm starting a new group of people that really haven't played before in Pathfinder First Edition. I'm going to run them through Rise of the Rune Lords. I oh, that's cool. So we're starting character creation, and I'm getting them. I'm thinking honestly, running. I'm honestly thinking about running them through first steps. Just so that they learn how to play. Because <laughs> I've had three Lords. people that have never played before. Rise of Rune Lords is fun, and it's easy enough to do it as a beginner. It, yeah. It, because it starts off with a big, like, festival thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's really just role-playing. I okay. mean, cool. I, I think when I started it off, I did... Um, I mean, it's different for each group, but I think I did it with, like, people headed into town and, like, communicating with the crowds of people that are going to the festival. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to read it again because I I read the 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 GM synopsis a while ago. It's been oh, I need to reread it. It's been a I while. know a lot of people they started out at the festival and instead of doing like a role play icebreaker, will just jump. They'll skim over the festival and then just jump right into the attack and do oh, the combat. Yeah. And that's how people no, get to know each other. I, it that, depends on your group, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's minor. How about you, Brian? What's nerdy with you? Um, I I went kind of low key this time. Um, so um. 
um, my um, my wife had an appointment that she needed help. She needed me to take her to. So I um, was in downtown Milwaukee. I, uh, so I'm in Oregon. Wait. I'm in I'm in Portland, Oregon, and I was in mm. um, Milwaukee, Oregon, not Milwaukee, a, Wisconsin. There's a Milwaukee, Oregon. There's a Milwaukee, Oregon. But oh, one that's of the weird. Things about Milwaukee, Oregon. It mm. is the home of Dark Horse Comics. Oh, oh dark and, horse. Nice. nice. Yeah. So I I peered in the windows and looked at the statues and stuff that they have in there. And um there's a comic book store on the other side of the street called Things Not of This World, and I checked it out. They're they're not owned by Dark Horse, but they, they partner with them on different things since they're right across the street. Um they're a cool comic book store. They have a big spaceship that's crashed into the front of it and um oh, nice. they're more I think they have more collectibles than most comic book stores. So they only have like three long boxes. They're mostly new issues. Local people in the community have boxes there and pick up their pick up their um their hold list. Um but I I um I spent some time looking through trades and I got the epilogue for Birthright, um, which I've been reading for a long time, so I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. I haven't read it yet. I'm working on um Superman Uncaged right now. That's my that's my trade i'm reading right now um but yeah i just i didn't do anything crazy um oh i did do um that was just the other day um that was just on um thursday earlier in the week i went to a um i went to a toy and collectible comic book store in gresham oregon and they had long boxes with old issues for um 20 for 20 so I got a bunch of what ifs, West Coast Avengers, and um, Vision and the Scarlet Wish. You're muted, David. Thank you. How much time did you waste looking through those log boxes? <laughs> um, I was I I had ordered food from a local restaurant, so probably about a half hour. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they had a lot. They had a lot of cool stuff. Um. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I bought a bunch of Silver Surfers. They had the whole line of the um. It was the preamble to the Thanos quest. So I was I was excited mm. to get that. I mostly got those because I really like the covers because there's a lot of cool covers for the old the old um, 90s th- Silver Surfers. Very nice. So, All right. Well, yeah. Um, so we're going to vote. Um, and um, the way we do this is we use the patented Mike Myler widget system. Mike Myler is a game designer who is a frequent guest of our podcast. And he came up with this, which we call the time suck. Um <laughs> So the way this works is we each get a number of widgets and we use those to vote. Since there's three of us, we each get four. So Carlo, you get four widgets. You can distribute them between the three of us however you like based on how nerdy you thought the thing was. You can give them to yourself as well. So four widgets. Who do you give them to and why? Four widgets. Um, Well, I'd give you two and I'd give Dave one. And you give yourself one. And I give myself one. Yeah, cool. all right. Because nice. the, the thing that made it really attractive was Silver Surfer. Because nobody gets earlier than Silver Surfer. I mean, he's like uh, way back um, in the when Marvel came up with her trading cards. He's mm-hmm. the guy who had the most maxed out stats. 
I mean, he's technically the strongest character in yeah. old school Marvel. So, man, going through those long boxes for 30 minutes, man, that was, that to me is uh, true dedication. I love it when you go to a comic book store and they have those long boxes filled with old issues and they're like, they're go like, they're 50 cents each. And it's like, yes. <laughs> oh, man, 50. I'd go nuts there. If, if were 50 cents each. Well, these were, these were a dollar each if you buy 20. So it's pretty good. Oh. Reminds me of uh, Frankenstein's, the, the one guy that's literally got a, a, a fold-out table that's just covered in long boxes. Go. <laughs> so, David, how wow. does thou bequeath thy widgets? Uh, thy widgets are bequeathed as follows. Uh, Carlos shall get three. Sorry, Carlo. Oh, I said Carlos. Okay. Apologies. <laughs> Carlo shall get three. And then, Brian, you'll get one because long boxes are awesome. Um, Sly, do you need me to edit that out? I think we've been accidentally using that name. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I have. No, it's Sorry okay. about that. It's okay. okay. Just call me Carlo. Cool. Didn't even, didn't even think. <laughs> yeah, and actually, my name's here in Zoom, so. Yeah, that's what I, I looked at um, it and went, oh, right, Dave. It won't show in the recording. Right. Oh, it won't. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can just yeah. call me Carlo, then. Cool. Everybody knows me as Carlo. Anyway. Okay, cool. Well, I Playing Let's Pretend at the beginning of the meeting is something I've never done before. So, Carlo, I'm going to give you all four. Yeah, that's great. Oh, my God. Um, oh. <laughs> and I can I can tell you that guests don't always win this game. So, you have the pristine winner award. Um, right. So, the person who wins gets to keep the widgets. So, please expect the widgets in the Philippines at any time. They should be arriving soon. They travel through the Power Cosmic. Um, they, they, um, I believe that they are considered contraband, so they should take a while to get through customs, I believe. Yeah, and I can use them to power my flux capacitor. <laughs> he Any knows, all right. Okay, cool. We don't have to explain it. We don't have to send him the manual. We're good. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, so we are going to be, t speaking of flux capacitors, we're going to be talking about tabletop role-playing games this morning. Wait, why does that have to do with flux capacitors? Speaking of segues... <laughs> Oh, God damn it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when playing a tabletop role-playing game, it requires a lot of prep for the game master in question. Uh, most systems have a game master, a person who um, sets up the game for the players, shows it to them, and then lets them follow along. There are many Great. ways to prep a game. Um, there are pre-published adventures. There are homebrew adventures. And I'm going to get my outline so I can remember the Brian? questions I came up with. Brian? Yeah? You said most. Name me one that doesn't. What, a game that doesn't have a GM? Yes. We are Bob. Never heard of it. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of collaborative storytelling games that are like uh, story stick passing. Okay. Okay. Um, well, okay. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Fine. <laughs> uh, also, there is no GM in a solo game, and there are lots of solo tabletop RPGs. Mm. All right. Fair enough. Moving on. Back to your questions. <laughs> uh, I love how you test my expertise in the middle of my... You, you make a very bold statement. I have to call you out on it i'm sorry um i mean i'm sure there are games that don't require prep i'm sure there's some games that have a very spelled out kind of you go through it this way and you don't really have to prep it uh, so but i mean we're talking more traditional style rpg where you're a dungeon master or a game master and you have to kind of come up with what's going on so your players will understand um so carlo um just to like right off the bat you're gonna run a game you're sitting down to prep what are you doing 
Okay, when I'm sitting down to prep, well, first thing I do, okay, if it's the very first session, is I'm going to have to map out the story. If it's homebrewed, um, I'm going to have to pick out one of the ones I made or one of the ones my cousin has made. Um, if it's one of the, uh, or if this is one of the uh, ones that you can buy, like one of those manuals with, um, or mm-hmm. modules that you buy. Um, I make sure I read the module first from end to end. Then I try to see how I can add twist to it, how I can spice up the adventure. Um, and one thing that I'm very particular about when I do prep are the NPCs or the non-player characters. Okay, and I'm going to explain why briefly. Okay, um, my play group has this very bad habit of murdering NPCs. So I kid you not, at the start of a game, there's this guy at the town. Um, this was even before GTA and all those open world games were available. They go GTA on the town, as in literally oh. they... Them- Yours is not a unique experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, finally, what um, I did, okay, since we had all these adventures and they'd get new characters, okay, is I'd take their old characters and I'd make them NPCs. So these will be like level 20 fighters, uh, level uh, 30 sorcerers, wizards. So since they were their old characters, they have an attachment to them. So he's like, um, okay, I'm going to try to... Wait, I can't kill him. He's my character. What's he doing here? I was like, oh, no, but you have a new character. So um, if you kill him, technically you're killing off your character. And once he's dead, he's dead for good. You can't use him ever again. So <laughs> that's clever. Like, that's oh, great. Oh, that's oh. great. I'm I'm so conflicted. I mean, I work so hard to make this guy, and if I suddenly stab him, okay, and he might end up killing me because he's so strong. So I'm not okay. So uh, once order is finally restored in the town, okay, then um, we can go on an adventure. We have um, you know the typical stuff that you have in an RPG quest, um, random events. Um, I make sure that I prepare those ahead of time because um, there are times when, like for example, uh, there. There's uh, this cursed stone that if you hold it, you either one turn into a frog, turn into a goat, but you don't have a list currently available. I've uh, run into instances where uh, GMs don't have a list available and they just make up as they go along. So I make sure I have a list so that in case players complain, like, why are they a frog for like the next day or two? It's like, oh, because that's uh, what's written here in the random event list. So that's uh, one. So NPC. Um, random event list and um, of course um, one thing uh, I uh, also prepare is the length of that current campaign like when are we going to start when are we going to stop because uh, there are times when uh, I have this habit of getting carried away especially if uh, my campaign goes really long and everybody's having fun but uh, of course we have school we have stuff to do Um, I didn't want my my uh, parents to take away my dice or my RPG right. materials or my miniatures. Right. So, of course, uh, I had, to, as the GM, it's your responsibility to set the time of um, the adventure to make sure that um, the players don't have too much of a good thing. So, <laughs> basically, those are what I uh, prepare. Cool. Mm-hmm. David, same question. Uh, it depends a lot on the game and the group I'm going for. Uh, I've got one group that is very RP-heavy, so I have to prepare... 
that I have to make sure that I've got all of my notes on backstories and character plot points and all the for all the in- NPCs that I've introduced them to because I keep re-meeting the same people. And then uh, I've got another group that is very combat oriented. So I have to make sure all my encounters are on point. And I have, you know, go I have to I have to plan out how fights are gonna go and morale breaks. And it's one of the reasons I love working with pre-published modules, because a lot of that work is already done. And it helps uh, cut down on prep time you need. But as with any game, there's always flourishes you add of your own style and changes you have to make on the fly and stuff that you just go with because it's funny. (laughs) So I'll answer the question, but uh, I'll stay away from pre-published because I haven't run pre-published in a while. I'll talk about that more when we're talking about pre-published. Lately, the way my prep is, is... I have an outline that's like a timeline and I have a calendar and I have a whole timeline of events that are going to happen. Um, then I have a Trello document um, that I use and I have all the different connections between all the different NPCs. I have a list of NPCs. I have a list of all the mysteries. I have a list of all the different equipment that has been found that hasn't been identified yet and all of the MacGuffins involved in the story um, and a list of villains that the party has not encountered yet. Um, Then I have a list of plot points. Um, I then go, okay, where are they at now? What do I intend to have happen this game? What might they do? And like like um, Sly, I um, will um, think how much time do I have and kind of work out what I'm going to do based on times. Um, one thing I do want to say, I have never had the problem with um, murder, murder hobo killing NPCs. Mm. And I don't know if that's because... I'm a tight ass GM. Well, it happened to me in a group uh, with, that was entirely new. A bunch of people had never played before, and they were kind of feeling their oats. See, I I almost exclusively run for, exclusively run for new players. Yeah. So it's yeah. I would. It think also that says too. a lot about the people you're friends with. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It does. <laughs> I mean, to be frank, I haven't hung out with any of those people in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never had a problem with murder hobos, um, but I have, and I, I don't really have issues with people going like crazy because I'm I'm pretty good at improv, but um, I think the majority of my like major prep happens before the campaign even starts. I think that helps me yeah. when I sit down for each game, I, I kind of have an idea. Um, sometimes I have to sit down and map something. That's like my big giant amount of prep. Mm. And then it's like, am I going to do a quick Sharpie sketch on a map or am I going to go into Photoshop and do something crazy? That's sort of a choice. Um, but yeah, uh, so David, uh, Carlo, it is your time to now ask the group a question. Oh, okay. So now, uh, question, how do you prep an adventure from scratch? All right, I'll go first. Um, when prepping an adventure from scrap, the first thing that I need to start writing an adventure that's uh, my own homebrew is an idea for the overarching storyline. I, as a way of doing it, need to know what's, you know, how the story is going to play out as far as the main plot line that's going on. However, they're involved, doesn't matter. But like, you know, I, I read a good book somewhere and I get inspired to write a story based on something that happened 
it in there. It's okay. I start building it from there. Mm, and right. from that, from that groundwork, then you start figuring out who the key NPCs are going to be. And then, you know, start laying out the lay of the land. Where do they live? What do they do? Uh, what's the world outside look like? It just keeps building from there. And a lot of the spontaneous world building is just improv and crap that happens at the table sometime coloring, coloring in the world. Because <laughs> yeah. in my in my opinion, it's like a giant black and white map. And then as you get there, you start coloring it in wherever you are. And if you let the players do some of the coloring in, sometimes it makes it a lot more fun for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing that I do focus on when prepping for an adventure mm-hmm. would be, of course, one the story. Yeah. Um, because um, when the, the the world itself, because once you define the world, like what is it? Um, mm-hmm. Is it? Um, are you in uh, a, like a a North Pole? Is like an, uh, an ice age world? Mm-hmm. Um, are you in a forest jungle? So you have to have that uh, setting uh, designed so that you'll be able to define what the uh, creatures are there what uh, NPCs you're gonna have there like will you have a shaman will you have like this um, ancient frost wizard who's gonna guide the party eventually so that's one thing it's uh, the environment for one and um, one thing I really like focusing on are the characters because mm-hmm. uh, if you give a character a really good backstory it gets the people interested in that character I agree to the point that um, they uh want to know more about the character and if you uh, like uh, there's this mysterious swordsman just like uh, Garrett Jacks from the Shannara Chronicles I mean, mm-hmm. he's like this mysterious guy who just uh, walks around nobody knows anything about him and then people want to know more about him and then you reveal snippets of him later in the story during battles during quests when you find items he goes hey that was mine and he tells a little bit about himself so um, it uh, keeps uh, Basically keeps the group interested and engaged. Yeah. You know what's so funny is I've never read Shannara, and I had a GM who had a character named Garrett Jacks, and now I oh, know really? where they made that up from. Oh, okay. There you go. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bri- Brian, Brian agrees with me, right? Huh? Brian stepped away. So, <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, um, so... Are you, are you asking me the same question? Yes. How do you prep from scratch? Um, I have a session zero with my players and find out what they want to play. That is also important. Yes. Yeah, that I, I always do that first because I have a, I have this fear that I'm going to write the wrong thing. I'm going to come uh, up with something that they oh, do not want to play. Um, so when I do that session zero... I usually share some pre-published adventures and do and and then and ask some questions and you know do they want to play a pre-published adventure if they don't do they want to play something like them what genre do they like um, throw some ideas out there I ask them um, what their favorite movies and TV shows are that is a good question to ask um, give me an idea of what they want to play uh, then once I do that. I call my best friend and I tell them what we what they want to play and then he gives me ideas and we talk about it for a while. Um, I think I've been doing that forever. I've I've always been collaborating with someone else to come up with a campaign. And then I'll make an outline. And I I, I mean people who listen to this podcast know that Brian outlines is all about the outline. Are very important to me. <laughs> um I'll have a few. I'll have a campaign outline and then I'll have outlines for time periods or outlines for character arcs. Um I whether I'm running a um 
whether I'm running a pre-published game or a one that I'm making up, um, I keep track of all my characters' backstories in Trello, mm-hmm. and I make sure that there are arc moments for each of those characters, and I develop in-game rewards for those arcs, and I prep those. So um, usually I'll know the beginning and I'll know the end, and a couple things that are going to happen in the middle, and then I let the players do whatever the hell they want, and then the things will still happen. But they might not be there. They might be doing something else, and, but they still shape the story. I try not to lay down too many rails. And if the players go someplace crazy, I'll adapt that in my prep. The game will probably be completely different than I planned at the beginning at the end. Um, that happens. That happens a lot, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I do say that I I am not against rails. I've written very on-the-rails adventures. Um, I had a friend write an adventure for me, and I ran that on the rails because I thought that was a lot of fun um we were i can actually i i might have the notes for that because i did that in rise of the rune lords if i could share that with you since you're running that david Ooh, that'd be uh, great yeah the <laughs> the players were in between books and i gave them a little mission where they went to akaton um which if you're not familiar with um pathfinder lore akaton is mars yeah oh they went man. to another planet a different planet yeah uh it and it worked. It worked really well. Um, uh, a friend of mine had been posting to the forums for Paizo for Pathfinder, um, talking about wanting to write an adventure in Akaton. And I commented, I'm running Rise of the Rune Lords. You want to do it that it can fit? And he, oh, I'm familiar with Rise of the Rune Lords. And um, I made some ad- adaptations to it. Um, I don't remember. I remember who gave the mission. I remember kind of having a general idea what was going to happen. It was um, one of those guys that has the six arms that they're like interplanetary traders. I can't think of what they're called. And I think they're based on the arcane from D&D, but they're not the arcane. Mm. Oh, I can't remember the name either. I don't have my I don't have my monster manual handy. Um but it was it was this it was a nifty adventure. It was fun. They go through a portal and they go to Acton and they deal with lizardmen slave traders and end up fighting a boule. Oh no, not a boule, a bayher. They end up fighting a bayher and I think they were fifth level at the time. Nice. Mm, yeah. Um yeah, the so yeah, prep from scratch. I outline, I come up with stuff, and then it changes, and I adapt, and I handle that in my prep. So yeah, nice. What, what was I agreeing oh. with earlier, David? Nothing. I was just making a joke because you uh. weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, yes end you. I was like, I was exactly. gone. Exactly. You shut that shit down. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's my turn to ask a question. Yes. Uh, what is the difference when prepping something pre-published versus prepping something homebrew, Brian? I'll let you take that one, Sly. Oh, all right, we'll go Sly first. Okay, no problem. So um, if it's a pre-published game, half of the work is already done. So you yes. have a world, you have the NPCs, you have the characters. All you have to do is customize it depending on uh, how long your game session will be or how short you want it to be. And then if you if it gets boring, you can just um, add uh, add a few side side quests that uh, the other characters can complete. You can add more monsters. So everything's there now. If it's homebrew, um, it takes uh, a lot more work to prepare um, because um, not only do you have to prepare the world, the story. 
Um, but in your uh, free time, what you're going to be doing is since you're writing the story as you go along, um, you have uh, you're going to be uh, you have to take note of what happened in the last game. You're going to have to write accordingly. The story arc shifts. This character, this guy becomes the main character. That guy becomes a secondary character in this particular game. So uh, you're going to have to switch it up. Um, another thing about the homebrew is you're going to have to do a little bit more. You have to use a little bit more imagination because you're coming up with the world. You're coming up with the towns. You're coming up with the dungeons, especially right. the dungeons. You're going to have to make the dungeons extra uh, interesting, but not super challenging that um, all the players end up getting lost and dying in the middle of that labyrinth or cave. So um, basically, it's a difference between uh, pre-published and homebrew is that pre-published. Everything's very, you can just tweak it, but homebrew um, will take a lot more work. What is I more wanna, rewarding in the end? I want to share a hack here. Mm. Um, when oh. I'm prepping my homebrew games, <laughs> I go through all my pre-published adventures and steal every encounter, oh, yeah. every dungeon. Oh, nice. That, yeah. that is pro strat there right there. Yeah. Pro strat. Um, I do oh, that too. Oh, this great. encounter works. Do I have to change anything? No. Yeah. Wait, I remember, uh, oh, wait, I remember an encounter from this other game that will work here. Flip, 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 flip. Here we go. In the longest oh, campaign nice. I have ever run, I actually wholeheart in I, I inserted two pre-published adventures in the middle of the homebrew campaign where the players just jumped right into the pre-published adventure and they didn't even know they were playing a pre-published adventure. They made That's it awesome. to the end. And um, the villain from the pre-published adventure survived and ended up being a major villain in my homebrew nice. game. Oh, nice. Always um, fun. And then I want to add my hack for dungeon prep. Half the time, I don't prep them. No. <laughs> I just make up a dungeon as they go. Um, when I run dungeons, even prepped dungeons, I don't throw the map out and let the players explore. Um, I do encounter by encounter, and then everything else mm. is handled theater of the mind. I yeah. don't like to have... I don't like turning the game into a board game that much. I mean, I do mm. do that sometimes, but I prefer dungeons to be a little bit more mysterious, where it's like, okay, you travel hundreds of feet through a tunnel, and then you end up in this room, and then I'll describe the room, and then if combat happens, then the map will go down. Okay. That's, that's oh. a good way to do it. I don't... It depends on the party. Like I said, I have a party that's very combat-oriented, that is all about the strategy, and loves playing the board game version. So... <laughs> yeah, it really depends they on actually, the group. They actually live for the board game version. They try and speed roll their way through any RP encounter at all. It's just like, no, let's just get back to the fights. <laughs> What's what's yeah. fun is um, when you can put minis on a board when you know there isn't going to be any combat, and it's like you're almost tricking the players into starting combat just by putting minis on the board. <laughs> I've done that more than once. <laughs> Or uh, oh, yeah. one of my favorite things to do is have everyone roll initiative, but just for the purposes of timekeeping. What's uh, what's oh. the difference like you for what's the difference What's the difference for you, David? I, I well, don't know how much you do homebrew versus. I, I I haven't done much homebrew lately. I, I did a lot of homebrew when I was first starting out. Uh, one of the first games I ever ran was a gigantic homebrew. Um, one of the first games I ever ran was actually a uh, Serenity RPG game. I had like a, I had eleven players. It was just. Disgusting. <laughs> 
Uh, that was fun. Uh, the Serenity RPG is great for that. Um, oh, yeah. And then by Serenity, we're talking about the Firefly universe, Firefly TV show, and Correct. Serenity the, the movie. The Cortex rule system. Yeah. Um, but it, it's almost like the game is built to have a lot of players. It is, yes. And it was a lot of fun, but it was pure chaos. <laughs> I still have some inside jokes with my anime club from that, those games. <laughs> I want to throw a question out to the group, and this is going slightly off topic. All right. Um, what's your favorite pre-published adventure? Mm. Carlo? Well, mine would definitely be Tantras. I'm not uh, familiar with that one. I'm not either. Yeah, so it's a really, really old RPG um, desert setting. So it was complete with everything. It had gods. Um, it had deities. Basically, it had towns. It had politics. It had everything right. in it. So um, you could be an adventurer one game. Then you could be like running for Pharaoh. Or something. Interesting. Then, then, or you could become this uh, godlike ruler where everybody could worship you. And it was this thick. It was really, really thick. Wow. And uh, at the time, I couldn't afford the book. So what I did was I got my uh, classmate's book and I go, hey, uh, I'm going to borrow this for a moment. Then I photocopy it. Hey, and you have the teachers going, hey, what are you doing? Uh, it's research, ma'am, research. And it's like, okay, okay, go, go, go. Just uh, do whatever you're okay. Then I, because I was photocopying almost every page. And right. She didn't know that it was for an RPG. So that's funny. I, uh, uh, that's really, good. Uh, All right. Got it. So, yeah, Tantras. Neat. Uh, I, I unfortunately have to have a caveat question. Uh, Brian, do you mean uh, most fun to play or most fun to run? Oh, answer both questions. You know what's Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, most fun to play, I would have to say the first time I ran to of Annihilation, I didn't know what to expect. And that was pure chaos. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, it also helped that the group I was playing with was was a lot of fun too. But yeah, that one that one was in my mind the best campaign I've ever been a part of. And then uh, to run, I actually really enjoy running Kingmaker from Pathfinder First Edition. I gotta ask you, Carlo, how do you spell Tantris? <gasps> Google failed you. T a n t r a s. It's with the Forgotten Realms. Oh, like the book, like the novel. Yes. That's what he meant. He was borrowing his friend's copy of the book because he was writing for this RPG. Okay, cool. Yep. Right? That was the story? I, I was listening. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> um, Kingmaker's awesome. It is. Uh, if you're not familiar with Pathfinder, Kingmaker can be run in different systems, but Kingmaker is... Complete sandbox. It's Complete amazing. Complete sandbox. It uses old school hexpiration style gaming. The player plays um, a. Um, the players have received a barony. They're going out to explore it and set up a new set up a new area. The first book is pretty much just exploration, but after that, you're actually building your a kingdom. kingdom. And one of the players is the king. It's you, you uh, each one of the players takes over a member of the government and you have a specific mm. role you do during what are called kingdom turns. And then mm. after the kingdom turn is over, you do one kingdom term every month of gameplay. And then you, for the rest of the time, you're your character going out and doing stuff. And if you're if you're interested in Kingmaker, there is actually a computer RPG called there Pathfinder is. Kingmaker. Yes, they oh, made it. Nice. They made it into a video game. It is very very good from what i've heard i've yet to play it and king maker
Maker is coming out for Pathfinder 2nd Edition very soon. Nice. Um, there... I was interested in the 5th Edition remake, but I don't know what happened with that. I think it's still coming. Okay. Yeah, I think it's still coming. Um, one of the things that's new in the Pathfinder world is um, the company did a thing called Pathfinder Infinite, mm-hmm. and it allows um, third-party publishers to come out with PDFs and publish them directly through Paizo, hmm. and conversion books are the number one seller on there. I believe it. Yeah, mm. they're um, I think my um, favorite pre- pre-published adventure um, has got to be Rise of Runelords. Really mm. good. But mm. my favorite probably just module is this adventure called um, Dawn of the Scarlet Sun. I've heard it of that. It was a Pathfinder adventure that came out for Free RPG Day. And mm. it immediately got um, notoriety for TPKs. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the one you love is one that's deadly to its players. It's a fifth level adventure. Oh, man. And the main villain is a succubus. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's just it's just gnarly. It's just absolutely gnarly. But it's not gnarly like um like um oh my brain's not working. What's that gnarly D and D adventure that everybody dies in? The Tomb of Annihilation. Tomb of Horrors. Tomb the of Tomb Horrors. of Horrors. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> it's not like that. It's more gnarly in that it does things you don't expect. Like it has ambushes that yeah. are really well planned out. It has um, role playing encounters that result in unexpected combat it has Mm. yeah just you know you you're like i'm gonna save the prisoner oh no that prisoner is a succubus and just insta killed somebody (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah see the thing about tomb of horrors and tomb of annihilation is yes there there is those surprise moments but for the most part it's just that they are unrelenting (laughs) i think you know it depends on like the GM. Like some players like playing something that's a big deal challenge, but I know GMs who have retooled those adventures to make them more fun. Yeah, I'm sure, but I mean, I had fun playing. Uh, um, oh shit! What was uh, Bone Keep? So. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, you know, I used to run Forgotten Realms, um, and I've never run a pre-published adventure in Forgotten Realms. Really? I, yeah. It, oh, really? Well, I used to be anti-pre-published adventure. I used to think it Fair wasn't enough. fun. And um, then I started playing organized play and running organized play, and it changed my mind. It was like, oh, this is great. It just requires so much more reading. Yeah. Um, I, um, as far as campaign settings... Um, do you prefer homebrew or um, or using a pre-published campaign setting, Carla? Well, in my case, um, right now it's homebrew. Because what? with homebrew, you uh, have full flexibility of a story. Um, you're not um, limited by the characters, the NPCs. You can adjust it accordingly based on your playgroup. Like if your playgroup's um, a bit too aggressive, you can penalize them for being too aggressive uh, and to stick to the story. If your playgroup is too too timid then basically if you just walk around and they're too afraid to do anything then yep you're gonna have to spice things up you're gonna have to add this npc who's gonna uh I, i'd like to call them the tutorial npc yeah um it's like they teach them oh check this out where's this goblin oh, we can attack this goblin we're gonna 
Okay, we're gonna roll to hit the goblin, and then uh, this is how it's done. Okay, whoa, check it out. There's this huge owl bear. You don't want to attack the owl bear yet. Our levels are too low, so let's not do that. So it uh, depends on the type of people in your uh, actual uh, play group, which is why I like homebrew. And the cool thing about homebrew is that you can put in elements which aren't in traditional games, just like the isekai element that we find out in anime. Okay, so the isekai um, story is as follows. Normally, there's this Japanese student walking home from school and then this truck hits him and all of a sudden he's transported into this other world. So that's how it always starts. It's this truck that just hits you and then goes into another world. Good, good. Yep, it became so uh, pre- prevalent for a while that one of our uh, that we one of our members found this meme of Optimus Prime hitting Megatron, and then Megatron gets transported because technically he was hit by a truck. So he's like, ah, "Where am I? Welcome, hero!" And you can see Megatron going, "What is this?" <laughs> isn't isn't the newest variation on Isekai being transported into a video? game oh uh, yeah that's uh, yeah. that's the like later the common ones. thing yeah well, it's in the video game yeah like i think magic knight ray earth was uh they got transported into uh i don't know they were, they were in the eiffel tower at the time uh, but, uh, what's, what's, the, the what's, what's the big one that just came out was really big recently i can't think of the fucking uh, name i think it's a grand uh, crest no no uh it was, oh shit to google it's gonna bug me now i gotta hit it too because i just watched one not that long ago um <laughs> I'm not too sure if it was a record of Grand Crest War. Uh, Bo Fury? No. Bo Fury was a neat one. The girl goes into the video game and decides that she's just going to increase defense points. Uh, and she ends up becoming one of the best players in the game because she only focuses on defense. Oh, uh, Sword Art Online. Oh, that was the one I was thinking Sword of. Art Online, yeah. That was the one I was thinking of. I couldn't, I couldn't think of the name. Uh, there's this other one called That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. I've, if, that, uh, you guys yeah, I've, I've heard that one. That was good. It is. And it shows you how he's like this gelatin. He uh, gets hit by this truck and he gets reincarnated as a gelatinous cube. The first thing he absorbs is a dragon. So he gets all powerful and stuff. Then he regains his human form. But he just keeps absorbing things and gets stronger and stronger. That's so, funny. So, uh, yeah, totally uh, funny. And uh, he has these two goblin lackeys. He goes, I'm not going i'm gonna spare your life but you're gonna to have to serve me i'm your king i'm your you have to worship me and then the goblins yeah. all the goblins just worship him and do whatever he wants uh one of the scariest things i've ever found in uh in a DD game is a uh, gelatinous cube with sorcerer levels oh no. it hides up on the ceiling invisible and it cre- casts create pit under you and you fall oh, down a set you fall down a 50 foot pit and then it falls in on top of you falls in on top of oh no <laughs> yeah i mean it absorbed you and everything you have <laughs> so, goodbye Luke. that's that's the scariest thing in the world <laughs> no oh save me it's like the blob yeah yeah always fun uh i think it's right. your turn to ask a question sly i believe it is um yeah so uh, what is the most important thing in adventure prep or preparation well um in my it, well as far as encounters and stuff knowing your party's strengths and weaknesses is an important thing because it, it you can tailor encounters to how badly you want them to get beaten or whether you want them to steamroll right through it 
sometimes and oftentimes your players will surprise you and that that's the spice of life that's what makes it fun <laughs> i i have a controversial answer oh i love oh, these okay. rewards mm, ah. i think rewards are need to be thought about the most i i i agree that's that's not that controversial to me yeah i well I think rewards, the reason why they need prep is because monsters shouldn't poop gold. Um, monsters should ha have a reward that makes sense. And if it's an intelligent monster, or even sometimes even if it's not an intelligent monster, should be using the items that they have. Um, I love it when players take their time fighting creatures and they're like, okay, we're going to do prep. It's like, okay, the monster is going to use all of its stuff that you could use if you did, if you didn't give it time, <laughs> it starts drinking potions. <laughs> yeah. The monster had a bunch of loot, but he used all of it fighting you. So <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. That, that wand, that wand he shot at you five times. Yeah. It only has four charges left now. Here you charges go. Now, so. <laughs> the only reason why I say rewards are the most important is because it's probably the thing I'm going to forget more than anything else. Yeah. Why haven't we gotten any treasure in forever? I don't know. Sometimes just telling them we're going to roll the random treasure chart and see what happens is fun. You never I, know what I, you get. I, I do that on occasion. I like to throw those in because I know players enjoy doing it. Oh, yeah. The random tables are great. <laughs> what about you, Sly? Uh, well, um, the most, most important thing uh, for uh, in preparation, well, for me, it's it's just, it's uh, knowing the schedule of the actual players because I run into I ran into problems before, especially when uh, most of me and my playgroup went to college. Some of them would have different schedules now. Some of them would have jobs. Some of them would have work. Some of them would uh, have a girlfriend already, and then they'd have no time. Wait, play, what? So, People uh, that play RPGs don't have girlfriends. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them have wives. <laughs> yeah, but back then, um, when I was playing an RPG, I mean, I've, I've, I've never been, like, five feet from a woman. <laughs> you know, I mean, girls would, like, would be saying, oh, check it out, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, let's, let's go to the ball. And then, he was like, and one of us, uh, the tall guy of our group, I think his name was... Uh, uh, Gozo and he he had his girlfriend and then he had he spent less and less time with us and we we're like hey where's our swordsman what's he doing can somebody text the guy and I would go he, uh, text he took him an arrow the to the knee and uh, there was no Facebook messenger at the time so we didn't know what was going on but all of a sudden he shows up hey guys here's my girl Erica and blah 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 hey you know what let's get her to play yeah let's let's nice. let's bring her to the dark side let's um influence her we go hey here's how we play okay then all of a sudden and she um, she learned how to play she liked playing and then yeah we introduced her then she introduced her cousin then there were more people playing in the chess area and the chess and the chess players hated us because we were taking up their space <laughs> because we couldn't play in the library because we were too loud at the time and that was in uh, university so um, what um, we would do is we'd uh, go take one of the chess tables we'd play but um, uh, well they complained about um, the group so we had to move elsewhere so we eventually found this bench near the university mall that we played in and then a shop called neutral grounds opened which sold warhammer so we said hey we can play there yeah then we were going like hey i want to buy this miniature by we were buying miniatures we were painting yeah. them um, in the shop but then um, we'd paint a bit and then we'd play for the rest of the time and then uh, the, shop, the store owners loved it and they started uh, off a selling 
pre-published RPGs and we just hang out there uh, a lot. And there were times when I had uh, class at 8 in the morning and my next class was at 6 in the evening. So instead Ooh. of going home, I just yeah. hang out in the store and they go, hi, it's me again. And they said, yes, welcome. Please have a seat, sir. Then I just sit down. I'd ever play Magic the Gathering. Then if the group's there, we'd play a bunch of uh, campaigns. And then um, once um, we... Uh, and once we were done doing that, we just buy a bunch of miniatures and then just uh, buy buy some paint and then just assemble them and just paint them. Nice, cool, awesome. I am going to hijack David's question because uh, it is going are. to be the last question. Oh, really? All right. Oh, okay. Um, how do you run without prep? Because uh, sometimes the reality is you don't have the time or the energy to prep. And you still have the game scheduled and don't want to cancel it. How do you run without prep? How do you do it? Um, I will throw this question at David first. Okay. Well, this was uh, not planned for you because I run without prep all the time. Yeah, no, I do too. But, uh, well, luckily, when I started really running without prep was during my tenure as a uh, G, uh, frequent GM for the Southern California Pathfinder Society. And with those pre pre published modules most of the time all you have to do is read them so you know i'd be sitting there at the table 10 minutes before the game's gonna start furiously reading the module <laughs> uh i actually became known for being able to play to run games on the fly when they needed stuff run at conventions and things so um but yeah it's it the the pre-published ones are relatively a lot easier to deal with when you have no prep time uh the other thing or when i'm in a homebrew thing and i have done zero prep there is a lot of improv that goes on and that is what a lot of a lot more shenanigans ends up happening because a lot of times at least my myself i just roll with it <laughs> and what about you sly okay um well if i run without prep uh well the game becomes I don't know if you can uh, call it something kind of like uh, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it becomes this really huge battle. In the end. Uh, there's <laughs> we we have a word for that anyway. It's called a clusterfuck. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> it becomes that. I can't say that because my wife's in the room and she doesn't want me. <laughs> or a, or a, a a fuster cluck, if you would. Yes, that's uh, correct. But um, anyway, what um happened in one game was um if you guys are familiar with you. Yu Hakusho and the otherworldly tournament or the tournament in the other world we did something similar to that where um, there were just too many people who wanted to join and said okay group yourselves into four yeah we're gonna have this tournament to the other world and then there's this king who goes um, whoever wins this tournament will win all this gold and will win uh, this prestigious uh, castle will, will win this castle in uh, by the bay or something to that effect um, then um um, there was this one time when uh, it was a wandering circus campaign, and then um, in this wandering circus, there was this ring that uh, they set up for gladiators to eat it out. And then um, since I didn't have uh, the campaign really prepared, 
because uh, I didn't have time. I spent uh, the last night uh, doing like 3D, uh, like Maya 3D projects for school, and it was rendering. I couldn't sleep with the PC switched on. So what um, I did was um, I turned it into something like a WWE Royal Rumble, where okay, everyone nice. enter the ring, and whoever steps out of the Coliseum will be eliminated. Oh, so that's, that's you got good. to eliminate one, and then one of them complained, "Hey, both feet." didn't touch the ground i rolled for initiative and only one foot touched the ground and then uh, we had these referees show up and then one of the one of the other guys who got eliminated the uh, role played as a referee so yeah. like, oh, no I'm, I'm the referee and these two referees were arguing so uh, yeah it, it was chaotic it's yeah. really really chaotic so and and, and uh, now and now you understand why why fighting why fighting tournament arcs exist in anime <laughs> Yes, that's where they came from. <laughs> oh. Uh, how about you, Brian? Um, one of the things that I have learned over time is that improv is awesome. And I think I don't run games that don't have improv anymore. Um, so when my players want to do something and they go, Okay. We want to find it in. I go, okay, where is it? What's the name of it? Um, who owns it? And then the player makes it up. Um, I think oh, that's my players good. do a good chunk of my GM work for me. The the thing I have to do is note and organize and remember. Mm. So I have to write down the names that they said, and then I have to keep them and use them and remember them and make them part of the world. Um, often um, somebody, a, a player will ask a question, and I'll go, okay, what does the NPC say? Mm. Because I just want them to come up with it. No, that's good. I, I need yeah. to do that more. It It's... You know, what's the weather like? Well, what should it be like? What do you think? Is it raining? Is it snowing? I, I, I like that better than rolling randomly. Mm. Um, I have let players decide what the random encounter is going to be. <laughs> Boy, I sure hope we don't get jumped by some goblins. You know, funny you should say that. There <laughs> <laughs> are goblins right here. <laughs> and then the other of my non-prep is whenever monsters show up, I try to throw in something weird and random because the players are going to jump on top of it like um if the the party wouldn't just be fighting goblins the party would be fighting goblins and one of them would have a live chicken on its head oh that's something out of monty python it, yeah that's not like bobby oh, python great. <laughs> yeah it's like oh the, the killer rabbit the black knight and now we have a goblin with uh, something on its head <laughs> Um, sometimes the live chicken might be part chicken. of it. Sometimes it might just that goblin likes to wear a live chicken on its head. Um, sometimes the chicken is there on its own will and is just there. Or sometimes the chicken is strapped on. Or sometimes the chicken is the goblin's familiar because the goblin's actually a wizard. Yeah. Oh yeah, goblin wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think my quick thinking craziness once is um I had a um giant crab that was going to come out of the water they were on the beach and giant crab was going to come out of the water and i just at the last second thought you just see the shape coming out of the water and it's a dog house and the, it was a crab in a dog house <laughs> like a hermit crab uh, yeah yeah it's, you know, oh that's funny Oh, and that, the great thing about great. that is, of course, a player decided they were going to jump on top of it. Because, oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, after they defeat the crab, they find the dead dog inside, which is just great oh, flavor. Oh, oh. oh, no. So he yeah. had to kill the dog to get his yeah. house. <laughs> uh. 
Oh, man. I, st- I, I still maintain one of the best tools a GM can have, whether you've done actual prep or not, is if someone questions something about a calling you've made or a description you've given of something that they might have prior knowledge about, you just look at them and go, yeah, weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I could advise um, for helping GM and coming up with prep and making things easier is play and run different kinds of games. Mm. Um, throw out other systems. Like, I'm sure... Dave David probably is a better GM because he ran Serenity RPG. Oh, um, man. <laughs> I know I'm a better GM because I've run Fate Core. I love mm. running Fate Core. Um, Fate Core is fun. And I ran Fate Core for the first time on this podcast. And, it was oh, great. Yeah. I, I played. It's awesome. Yeah, we've done it twice now. It um, one of, I fully plan on starting a new game and we're going to do it again when we Sweet. have some different guests on. And we um, Ooh, nice. basically what we did is we did a session zero on the podcast and we came up with what it was going to be. And Fate Core is much more collaborative storytelling than other RPGs. Mm-hmm. And its rule set is simple yet deep uh-huh. um so you can it's, do anything it, it's 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 five minutes to learn lifetime to master yeah the design of fate <laughs> core was we want to come up with a system that you can play anything like if the players want to play in a tv show they like they can if the Ours. players want to play in Ooh, a fantasy stranger rpg things, they or... can yeah uh, you can play stranger things you could our play... game has bears in space like actual bears actual bears <laughs> oh man yeah that was erica's idea um, to do bears in space so oh, he's like yogi bear and boo boo in outer space except <laughs> they're like real fucking bears they're yeah they're dudes. not they're actual not bears. they're not talking bears they're just <laughs> bears that have okay. technology that let them talk <laughs> It, oh wow! It, yeah. um, the They're spaceship is designed to be big enough to handle bears. Oh, it was great! It was great! Oh my god! Uh, so I cut this topic short so we have enough time to chat with um, Sly before oh, yes, yes. we jump into sure. the bonus episode. So um, I want to give a little backstory. Normally we save this for the bonus episode, but I want to give a little backstory. Erica yeah, sure. knows Sly from work, and um, uh, Sly runs a podcast in the Philippines. And the idea was thrown out to have a little cultural exchange between our podcast and his podcast. Um, I heard a little bit about this a little while back, and this morning I get a a chat message from Erica saying, Carlo should join you in today's episode. And I went, who's Carlo? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can confirm that did happen. (laughs) Yeah. And she goes, didn't you see the other chat? And I look at the other chat and the other chat was sent minutes before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you gotta gotta remember, for us, it's like, it was like six in the morning. Oh, yeah. I literally woke up, looked at my photo, and went, oh, man, all right. Um, the, the cool thing about that cultural exchange chat that she started is she included many of our reoccurring guests on our show. Yes. So if you want to chat with those people, Carlo, feel free, because there are a lot of people that are, aren't, they're not strictly affiliated with the podcast, but they've been on our podcast a lot. Yeah. And there's lots hmm, of different okay. types of people on there. Um, I mean, one of them is a professional comedian. One of them is a professional fantasy cartographer. Oh, Anna, nice. Anna, Anna Meyer is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, um, Carlo 
How do you see this cultural exchange working its way out if we, we have you on and we could be on your show? How is this going to work out? Oh, man, it's going to work out pretty well. I mean, uh, you're going to see the uh, RPG scene in the Philippines, the Magic the Gathering scene in the Philippines, Geekdom in the hey. Philippines. And uh, people here will be able to uh, get to uh, experience um, the culture in America because um, unlike uh, the Philippines where you got you still got you guys are lucky you've got stores with long boxes and 50 cent comics us we don't get that um those stores closed down uh, uh much of year, year, uh, years ago and now the only place where we can get actual comics are online and we have people selling them for 10 15 dollars each oof. i mean yeah it's uh, really difficult to actually um get into uh comic books now um and um if you're like a fan of superman batman or the x-men or even the Avengers um, it's difficult to get books and if uh, you're fans of Image Comics like Invincible it's next to impossible to get Invincible here what I mean, about you can digitally? Get, uh, digitally yes you can get them digitally but uh, well most of us here we prefer to hold the book yeah. we want to have it okay? because we want to have it on our shelves because it's like a badge of honor and whenever we have these episodes people like pulling out their books and saying ah Spider-Man the first episode the first uh, issue where carnage showed up or the first uh, edition where a venom showed up so they like holding that up because uh, well me growing up in the 90s um i uh, enjoy uh, the physical comic books as well i mean when i, I was a a kid, comics. when i was a kid i had a subscription <laughs> oh uh, wow i did i actually got that venom issue as a subscription and i it was crazy because i got a few issues and then all of a sudden they stopped coming and i found out that the mail was delivered them to one of my neighbors by accident oh no uh, and my neighbor was burning them what, what? no Re- way they they believed that they it was like the religious duty to burn the comics it was bad uh, oh that's fucked up yeah that is messed up <laughs> no legal action was formed or anything it's i think we just got the we got the address switched and got it worked out and then we just they talked to those neighbors comics, but hopefully it was it was sad for me i mean it was, it was like all of a sudden, I stopped getting my Amazing Spider-Mans because back then I was getting um, I was getting Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, um, Thor, Captain America, Ghost Rider, Blade, um, the Hellfire League. The um, I didn't do Doctor Strange back then. I actually only knew Doctor Strange through the Spider-Man team-ups. Mm. And um, oh, what was my other? Oh, Darkhawk. Oh yeah, Darkhawk. He was Darkhawk uh, was awesome. I hope they guy. make him into a movie because Darkhawk's yeah. really cool. Nobody yeah. knows who Darkhawk is anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a, a very first version of uh, Falcon. Okay, but uh, he had this mask on. He had this like bio suit. Yeah, one of the things about Darkhawk, David. So you don't do comics, so I can tell you about this for the first yes. time. Darkhawk, he he um he could transform into the suit, but what it ended up being revealed as is he was switching bodies with an alien okay and when he opened the mask of the suit he was like scary hideous but the way they handled that in the comic is they just showed people's reactions they never showed what he actually Uh, looked like that's good um but i mean it was like a year or two before you found out that he was switching bodies and that there was this like buried spaceship and he was switching bodies with this alien oh shit but he had some cool powers and that's crazy 
Yeah, I think um, I think I got into Darkhawk right around the same time I was reading Ghost Rider. And for me, Ghost Rider is Danny Ketch. Oh, yeah. Danny Ketch is... Uh, Danny Ketch is my Rider. Ghost Rider. That's the okay. 90s Ghost Rider. That's the the um, spiked leather jacket Ghost Rider, not the... the yeah, not the circus... Not the circus Ghost suit Rider. Ghost Rider. Yeah, but I think Johnny Blaze joined him later, but uh, instead of turning into Ghost Rider, he had this shotgun that shot Hellfire. And Johnny Blaze was his brother. Oh, they're brothers. Hmm. Yeah. The, um, but then there was like um, one of my favorite what ifs is what if um, Danny Ketch's mom became Ghost Rider instead of him? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, wow. But Danny Ketch is still part of the Ghost Rider universe, which and I'm, I'm really hoping when they do Ghost Rider in the MCU, it'll be Danny Ketch. A lot of people Eddie. were hoping it would be the car one. I can't think of his name. Mm. The new one is the oh. the guy who has the car. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, Carlo, what are you excited that. about in the MCU? Uh, now in the MCU, I am excited in the mutant verse coming yeah. in because um, you've got a lot of uh, characters there. You've got the X Men, you've got X Force, you've got Excalibur, X Factor. So that's a lot of content, a lot of characters that you can bring in. So uh, you don't necessarily have to get into their origins because we know where they came from already. Just bring them in, and man, we're gonna love them. But one thing that has me really excited is uh, Rogue coming back because uh, Rogue uh, is rumored to be showing up in Captain Marvel 2 with Mystique. And And if you know comics, Captain Marvel and Rogue have a history in the comics. They have a history Ah. and uh, the reason why Rogue can fly and she's super strong is because she absorbed some of uh, Captain Marvel's powers. So that's something I'm looking, really looking forward to. Yeah, she puts puts her in a coma. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I think that'll make some of the anti-Captain Marvel fans really excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excited for her to go. Then, then who's going to lead the Avengers then if Captain Marvel's out? I think they might actually bring Captain America back. I'm not too sure. Or go back in time and... I think the leader future. of the Avengers, um, thinking the way the MCU is going, is probably going to be either Spider-Man or Doctor Strange. Most likely Doctor Strange. Mm, right, um, right. I mean, there's a lot of talk that it should be captain marvel but i don't think it should be captain marvel i think that would be weird um i so i'm looking forward to joining you guys on the show um for our listeners please tell them a little bit about your show where they can find it where they can find you if they want to reach out to you yeah sure so our show is known as the geeks hideout radio online you can find this show on facebook so just type in geeks hideout radio online um, like the page and uh, we have two episodes per week one on Saturday one on Sunday and uh, right now um, it's at 9 p.m. Manila time but that is a that subject to change depending on our guests since we're going to be having international guests now so um, it could be at around uh, this same time 8 a.m. Uh, your time which is 11 p.m. our time um, it could be at around um 9 p.m. PST if the guy's from uh, California. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, make sure that we make it as flexible as possible for our guest. And um, also, uh, you can just uh, message the page. And uh, you can also uh, go to our YouTube channel. Uh, my YouTube channel is a Portable Podcast. So uh, just uh, search for it and uh, you just leave a comment on one of the videos. I'm eventually going to see it. If you want to be on the show, we will gladly have you 
you on our bi-weekly, on our weekly show. Cool. 9 yeah. p.m. Yeah. isn't bad. I mean, that's 5 a.m. for me. I could, I mean, with planning, I could do it. Yeah, I, same here. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Yeah. With um, planning, I could make it work. Yeah. I, I mean, on 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 most work days, I get up at 3 or 4. So, yeah. It, yeah my, not, my, 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 my first alarm, early. My first alarm goes off at 5.30 normally, so... Okay. <laughs> I can make I can make five work. Okay, it's cool. So, or even six six would do actually. So it right. was really cool to talk about how to prep for a game. Um, yep. I think we can go more into this after we talk about backstory in our um in our bonus episode. Um, if you want to listen to our bonus episode, or you want to see, I mean, if you're listening to the audio and you want to see the video, do you want to actually see Slides Visor? Yes. Um, yes. you can see <laughs> that at Patreon.com/slash/NerdPodcastRadio and um. If and you, of course, you support us and you can get that bonus content. Um, we are going to um, we're going to um, have a really cool bonus episode today. Um, thank you, Sly, for joining us, and thank you as usual, David. I oh, have been Super Vegan Brian. I was joined by David the Evolvither. Hey, Brian, you said our uh, our. Uh... Uh, patreon right this time good job oh yeah thank you thank you <laughs> and um i and we are also joined by the sly guy from geeks hideout radio online, online. all right <laughs> and thanks um, for having me guys this has been nerd podcast radio stay nerdy that stay nerdy stay informed and stay, stay nerdy. awesome, <laughs> hey, I, awesome. I knew that was coming all right <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see my tongue, go to patreon.com. Yes. <laughs> Become a supporter now. And see Brian's tongue. Say goodbye, David. Brian. Oh, I'm supposed to cut him off. Yep. Oh.